Welcome everyone to Work 2.0 podcast. Today we have with us an interesting guest. Uh, I think many times we realize the the seed of good leadership and and few times it comes from interesting spaces and today's guest is going to enlighten us I would say in one of an interesting area. So uh today we have with us Alisa Westring, uh, a brief bio. So she is the Vincent D Paul Associate Professor of Management and Entrepreneurship at D Paul University uh University's Dry House College of Business she earned her PhD in organizational psychology from Michigan State University um she is director of research for total leadership in addition of uh, to her pre research on work life topic she is a scholar of women's career and leadership she is an award winning educator uh, d paul's inaugural presidential fellow uh, westring lives lives in chicago and has two young children her ted talk the secret life of a work life insider uh, is about motherhood and the time magazine cover story she was interviewed for uh, and was about millennial parents with that elisa welcome to the podcast thank you thank you for having me beautiful so um first walk us through your journey like what brought you to this point yeah so i can sort of start this journey in college um i went to university of pennsylvania and i was surrounded by all of these really smart people and you know my my friends were all these brilliant women and we would sit around talking about what we wanted our lives to look like and we had very clear pictures of what we were interested in doing career wise and then this big question mark about our personal lives and how we were going to have these careers and be moms be partners maybe sleep and relax a little bit and we were just trying to make sense of it because you know for most of us our moms were sort of in the first you know feminist revolution where they were like you can work you can have it all and we were like okay let's do it let's go to the best schools let's be the best leaders and then we were sort of wondering how we would live um you know a happy and healthy life outside of that so as i was in grad in undergrad i started working with psychology professors there to try and learn um about some of these questions and i It, at at pen the psychology is very um general it's not really applied mm-hmm. in context it's based on theory and um i started to think about how do you actually use psychology to help people's lives be better and that drew me to organizational psychology which is the psychology of people in the workplace and so i went to graduate school um at michigan state to actually study this idea of work and life for mm-hmm. professionals with a really an interest in professional women and how are we supposed to do it and i fully admit to studying a question because i wanted to know the answer in my own life um and have been studying it really ever since um i've spent many years working um i my first research interest in this area was looking at how students make decisions about careers mm-hmm. and how they incorporate work and family decisions into those choices so i spent a lot of time studying medical students and how do you pick a specialty and then that moved into studying doctors and women's careers in medicine and i connected during this process with Stu Friedman who's the founder of Total Leadership uh and he is sort of well known for bridging research and practice mm. right actually taking the research on 
these topics on work-life integration and using it to make people's lives better and to help people grow as leaders in all parts of their life. So we've been working together for about 15 years and over the last three years have really focused in on the experiences of working parents mm -hmm. and what parents can do to grow more effective both in their parenting role, but also as leaders in the workplace, as leaders in their community, um, and making sure that they have time for themselves as well. Uh, so that kind of brings us to where I am now. Interesting. And um, what is the uh, total leadership? Like if you can walk us through what, sure. what you do there. So basically the, the idea is that rather than just thinking about balance, right, like time divided up between work and family, uh, uh, it sort of implies that you have more of one, you have to have less of the other, that we really want to help people use what research has shown is effective leadership skills, but apply them to all parts of our lives. So leadership and effective leadership isn't just something you do at work. We can take those same knowledge and skills um, and bring them to the rest of life. So when we started working with parents, we realized that so many of these professionals that we talked to, they're senior executives, they're leaders, they're Wharton executive MBAs, and they know all about leadership in the workplace. They know how to create a vision and communicate values and develop strategic plans. And then they get home and they parent like crappy micromanagers, mm. right? Do this, do that. Why haven't you done this, right? So they're not taking these skills that they have in the workplace and bringing them home. And at the same time, they're not taking all of this skills and knowledge that they're developing as a parent, patience, um, you know, motivation, goal setting, and they're not bringing those skills to the workplace. So we really wanted to engage parents as whole people and think about how do you grow um, to maximize your contributions to your organization, but also to your family. Interesting. Um, and and explain to us um, your typical day. Like, what does a typical day look like for you? Okay, so... Um, it varies. I think I probably everybody says it varies quite a bit. So normally I am spending about half my time in the classroom teaching business students and half my time on research, which would mean designing research studies, analyzing data, writing up the results of studies, communicating the results of studies. This year, um, and you mentioned this in my bio, I'm in a new role for the year and it's called the Presidential Fellowship, which means that I'm currently sitting in the suite of the University of uh, DePaul University's president. And we're working on using my research on diversity, equity, inclusion to help make DePaul better. So I'm not in the classroom this year like I normally am. So I'm spending about half my time doing my research at, that's for the book and promoting the book um, and talking about parenting and work-life integration. And the other half of my time really internally trying to apply that research that I've been doing for 20 years at DePaul to make DePaul better uh, as well. Interesting. And um, now let's get on the meat of the stuff. So <laughs> uh, I think, by the way, uh, I find it really exciting. I'm halfway in. So excellent. definitely a good read. Um, Great. And I think, so tell us about the book. So we basically, um, worked, we started out with sort of the principles of total leadership, what it means to be a leader in all parts of your life. And we wanted to reimagine that specifically for the needs of working parents. Mm -hmm. And so 
we created um, a workshop, essentially many multi-month program, and we worked with about 30 different couples who wanted to go through this process with us, this journey of uncovering what it means to be a parent who leads. And so we worked with them. We talked and we went through with them. What does it mean to have a vision for your family? What are the values that drive you in your career and in your personal life? How do you communicate with all of the stakeholders in your life, including your children and your partner? And how do you design experiments to do things better uh, and evaluate the results? So we spent several years sort of creating this approach, testing it out with real couples, and then writing about it in, in this book and sort of creating a way that people who might not have access to a multi-month workshop with me and Stu, they could do these exercises and the activities at home and they could see that they're not alone, right? By reading the stories of all the people that we worked with, by reading the stories of my own life and of Stu's life, right? We're in the book too, as we try all of these things out um, and see how things could be better and maybe inspire people to try and do things a different way or have really important conversations um, in all parts of their life. Interesting. And, and so so yeah. walk us through the, the journey of what leads you to this, like what leads to this idea that, hey, it's a book worthy research and we should sort of bring it out and, and share it with the community. So what's, what's that insight? We'll be back after a short break. This part of the podcast is sponsored by Tao.ai, world's first AI powered platform to build yeah. enterprise success network. Learn more at Tao.ai. Let's go back. Right. The, the insight and this we heard from the people in our workshop, which is I know that I should be doing things differently. And I know that I need to have conversations with my boss and my coworkers and my partner and my children, but I'm too busy to figure out what I'm supposed to do. So there's this intuitive sense of like, I can have more meaning in my life. I can have more connection. I can bring more to the relationships that I have if, if I put some time and effort into it, but everyone's too distracted and busy and overworked to, to figure out that path for themselves. Right. So what we try to do with the book and with our workshops is to make it easier for people. We mm. say, okay, you want to have a conversation? Here's some guidelines. Here's some questions to ask yourself. Here's ways to talk to children of different ages. Here's how to talk to your boss about your family life. And we sort of smooth the path for people to do the kinds of things that they, they seem to know that they want to do anyway. Interesting. And, and, and so one thing that, that, um, we we ask people and even like some mm -hmm. people say hey work-life balance right so i i think some including some uh my wife also if, when i talked to her she said i don't want to bring work home right right so there's that clear isolation of hey this is a different space and that's a different space so in your research how did you like what did you find on people's perception when it comes to work and life Right. So first of all, you know, just the terminology that we use, work, life, it work is part of life, right? Um, so, you know, even starting from the premise of should we call it balance or integration, and we could get into a, you know, a multi-hour debate on the right terminology. Um, but the research that you're really speaking to is this idea of integration versus segmentation. Hmm. Do you blend your life roles 
or do you like to keep them separate? And what the research really suggests is that it's about the fit between your personality and your situation so that there isn't one size fits all. Some people prefer really strong boundaries and they shut the computer down and they don't think about work from the moment they leave the office till the moment they show back up and that works for them. For other people, that's not the right approach. So we tend to, we're, a, we're sort of um, agnostic or we're, we're neutral about which approach you use. We just really ask people to think about their own lives, their own values, their own personality and be willing to try a different way. So for me, I like to bring, I like to mush all the parts of my life together. I talk about my kids when I'm teaching, they come and hang out in my office. I will leave during my lunch break and go run errands um, and I'll work from home. So I'm an integrator, a musher, and it works really well for me. So there isn't this one size fits all approach. It's just taking the time to consciously choose which approach works for you? Interesting. No, I think it's it's a it's a it's a pretty interesting um, um, uh, phenomenon. So nowadays, if we look at the work scenario, right? So there is a increase of work from home scenarios. Mm -hmm. There is in in some ways, lot more people are working from home or working from their life in 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 in, in that terminology, yeah. and and. From your research, like how is that integration going on? Like. Uh, is it from what you what you found is it healthy or is it good or like how do you how do you rate this this phenomena i mean i think there's pros and cons certainly from the perspective of the organization and from the perspective of the individual so for an individual i think we have this idea that working from home is going to fix a lot of problems and for some people, it's great and it works really well. But for me, I know that I'm going to take a nap if I work from home. I'm going to get distracted. Um, I don't feel as productive. I tend to feel a little bit more guilty and I, the, the mess in the background bothers me. So it's really about finding what works for you. But I can go to a coffee shop next door to my house mm. and be perfectly productive. Um, from an organization's perspective, you know, we want to think about how do we focus on the results of work and not just butts in chairs in the office as an indicator of commitment and performance. And, and that should happen regardless of where your employees work, right? That we define what performance, what good performance looks like, and we hold people accountable for that rather than judging people based on who gets in earliest and who has the light on when everybody else has gone home. Um, so I think it's, it's bringing new challenges into the workplace, but those tried and true things of find how you work best and focus on results, not hours. Those are sort of universal, I think. Interesting. And I'm curious to learn, like um, in your total leadership phenomena, mm -hmm. how much um, being a parent helps you become a, a leader? Like what is the relation between being a parent and a, and a leader? I mean, I think we see it. Um, and one of the things that being a parent, and are you a parent? Yes. Okay, so you know, one of the things that being a parent does is force you to introspect. Hmm. Because your children will figure out your weaknesses, your strengths, they will push all of your buttons, you have to, um, you know, 
communicate with them. You have to face challenging situations. You have to do it with sleep deprivation. And all of these skills that we're developing as a parent and these insights can be taken and help us grow as leaders in the workplace as well. So introspection and self-awareness and understanding how you relate to others, that's leadership development 101, right? Any organization that sends their employees for leadership development is going to have some process of self-awareness and some process of communication. Parenting forces you to do that. But there's certainly other ways to get it. You don't have to be a parent to grow in your sense of awareness, your sense of self, um, to see your flaws, to see opportunities for growth. Uh, we just find that parenting heightens it and brings it all into greater uh, focus. Um, but it's 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 certainly not the only way, right? Go meditate, go r run a marathon. That will heighten your sense of self-awareness and strengths and weaknesses as well. Interesting, because typically, like we have, we have a joke um, in in my company. So whenever someone says, "Hey, um, I want to," whenever I see a millennial and saying, "Hey, I want to be a leader," I, I I ask him, "Hey, go first, be a parent first, and then eventually you'll get it." So, um, so from um, from that point of view, how important it is to run your say run your parent um, sort of your house situation similar to your team like do you see that yeah. um, there are some parallels that that i could draw i think you partly share uh, discuss that in the in the early of the conversation that i could bring whatever i do in my office i can i can do it at home or, or vice versa right so again if you think about what good leaders do it's about having a vision, communicating that vision, getting people on board and excited to support you in getting your team where you need to go, right? So here's what we have to accomplish. Here's our strategic priorities. Here's how we're gonna do it. Here's how we're gonna measure our accountability and communicate about it. Those same characteristics can go into the family life. So, and, and as I mentioned earlier, we find ourselves often sort of micromanaging our children. You need to wear this, you need to eat this, you need to do that. And of course, those things are impossible. We can't to avoid. We can't just let our children make every decision of, on their own, but we often forget to do the stuff that we know how to do in work, which is to say, why is this important? How will it help you? How does it express our values? How does it support our family's goals? So adding that in helps your children role model, it helps role model for your children what it means to be a leader. And then they can use that in their lives as well, right? They start to then see themselves as saying, okay, how do I talk about what matters to me, where I wanna go, what I care about? And that's something that they can develop as well. Interesting. And and walk us through the, how do you end up designing a research to measure these things? Like what, Walk us through, right. the, through the, the life cycle of this research that ended up becoming this book. Right. So um, in this case, we have data from many years looking at parents through the Total Leadership Program. And then we also have a smaller subset of the parents that we worked with really closely over the last few years. Um, and their findings, the results of their experiences are large, largely shared um, in their narratives, right? Their stories. And we use those stories to help illustrate things um, that, you know, are, we could shout out numbers all day long, but until mm -hmm. we add some real people's stories to it, um, 
it's hard to sort of feel it, right? And we want people to feel like they're not alone. Um, but from the bigger picture perspective, we ask people, how much attention are you currently paying uh, to your work, to your family, to your community, and to yourself, your mind, body, and spirit? How important are each of those? How satisfied are you in each of these domains of your life? And then we ask them to, through conversation and dialogue with all the people who matter to them, to come up with experiments, new ways of doing things, usually pretty small changes to more closely live your values. And then at the end, we ask them, how much of your attention are you devoting to each of these parts of life? How important are they? How satisfied are you? And how well are you performing in them? And what we find is that it actually is, it's possible to improve all the parts at once. Hmm. So most people assume if I want to make work better, I'm going to have to take away from family or take away from sleep or take away from time with my friends. And what we find is with these creative experiments, when we really work with people, that the, the whole, everything can improve. And it doesn't have to be this trade-off. But it takes time and effort. And so um, that's part of it, to find these creative solutions that are wins across all parts of life is it's not easy. If it were obvious, the professionals, smart people that we work with, they would have done it already, right? So we're looking for creative solutions or, or hidden opportunities to improve things across all parts of life. We'll be back after a short break. This part of the podcast is sponsored by Dowdod AI, world's first AI-powered platform to build enterprise success network. Learn more at Dowdod AI. Let's go back. Interesting. And and what are, what what are some of the um, some of the misconception um, that that this your research or your study end up addressing? Uh, if you yeah. can walk us through those. So, one of the things that the people we work with tend to say at the beginning is basically, "I need to overhaul my whole life in order to have better balance." Mm-hmm. That I need to make massive changes. And in fact, when people first start to come up with ideas for experiments, um, they will oftentimes come up with these huge, like, I'm going to, what if I quit my job and start a company? Or Mm. what if I, and that's great, like, by all means, if that's where you want to go. But we also want people to see that it doesn't have to be these dramatic changes to make things better, that, that small investments of time and energy and attention in the right spots can actually make a really big difference. Um, So that's one of the big misconceptions that people come to us with. Um, We find that people are always surprised by how much the people around them want to support them and help them. Um, A lot of us take a lot of burden on ourselves to do everything and to be the best employee, the best parent, the best partner. And what we find is that when you actually ask for help and communicate what you need, Um, People are surprised at how much love and support is generated for them in all parts of their life. Interesting. And and what are some of the surprises that you end up hitting uh, when when, when delivering this? Some of the assumptions that that you started with, which end up becoming sort of, uh, you end up overcome that or you realize something different? Um, Me personally or what? From the study the research yeah so so as i mentioned two of the big surprises that we find are you don't need to overhaul your whole life um as i said you um you have more love and support than you realize um people start to see themselves as leaders 
right? Another big misconception is that if you're not in a formal leadership position, that you're not a leader. So people, mm -hmm. another big shift that people have is that they actually start to see themselves as capable of leading others, even if they're not in a traditional leadership role. Um, that's another big sort of misconception that we like to correct about what is even is leadership. Um, you know, the, the idea that everybody wants me to be perfect. I have to be, you know, the people have these high expectations of me. What we find oftentimes is that people actually expect different things from you than what you think, and maybe sometimes slightly less. So you have this idea perhaps in your head, or I have this idea in my head that I need to respond to my boss's emails within two hours, regardless of mm -hmm. what time of day or night it is. And that may not actually be the reality when you talk to that person. One of the women that we worked with um, was a senior professional in her organization. And she was, you know, working 24 hours, 24 seven. She really wanted her employees to see her as a great boss. And it was really mm -hmm. important for her to be a good leader. And she put a lot of pressure on herself to do so. And so when she asked them, what do you need from me? Where am I under delivering? Where am I over delivering? What she heard back is that we need you to role model the idea that we can be leaders without losing our sanity. Mm. When you're responding to us at three o'clock in the morning, it mm. makes it makes us not want to be where you are, right? We wanna see that you can have a life and do what you do. And that her responding to all of their concerns and questions at all hours of the day and night wasn't serving the purpose she thought it was, and it was stressing them out too. Interesting. So, and and how important it is for say a parent to like do, do um have you found that how much a parent would be satisfied if if they um somehow bring some of their work practices home in becoming a leader or doing these exercises? Do you? Yeah. So it, it raises satisfaction in the parenting domain. And parents also feel like they're better able to meet the needs of their children and their partner when they go through this process because they're investing their time and energy in meaningful ways at home. So for instance, we have a lot of parents who think, I have to spend more time with my kids. And what mm. they find is that when they don't necessarily increase the amount of time that they're spending, but, but increase the attention and the quality of the time, for instance, that everybody's feeling better about them as parents, right? And in terms of how they feel about themselves, they feel better as well. So they're sort of, they're using these leadership principles and they're improving things for themselves and the people that they care about, right? So part of parenting and part of leadership is legacy. And what's the legacy you're gonna leave when you're not there. Um, so for an organization, what does that legacy look like? But for a parent, how do you create children? How do you help children grow who, you know, have values, are able to communicate them and are willing to take, try new ways of doing things? Interesting. And I, I'm, I'm, I, I would love to know your, um, your uh, perspective on the leadership, the changing landscape of leadership. Um, as, um, we are more online as we are more collaborative through online tools as we are more work from home do you think that the very aspect of leadership is changing and and then and then sort of uh, 
first part is what do you think what do you think about the changing environment of work how it's impacting leadership and then can can we borrow something from the parenting and and vice versa like what do you think yeah i i think that those are great questions i think as we think as we challenge our ideas of what a good leader looks like i think we're starting to question this very maybe patriarchal view of a leader who says here's what we need to do you're going to do it you are serving me and i'm the boss and i control things right and that's sort of aggressive perhaps a little bit masculine um definition or, or conceptualization of leadership that even if logically we know that that's not the only style of leadership i think still we have some implicit biases about how leaders act so we're much more comfortable with an arrogant leader who sounds confident than we are with a humble leader who maybe sounds vulnerable but when we think about what leadership looks like you know moving into the next generation i think we're shifting more towards embracing this idea of leaders being about values communication collaboration and not this top down boss idea of what a leader looks like and if you think about our ideas of what parenting looks like and how those are evolving it's it's similar right you know 50 years ago kids were told to you know be quiet and listen to their elders mm. and not to say that we want to abandon that altogether but mm. the style of parenting that that we're seeing more and more is values based it's collaborative it's about communication it, it's about developing mutual understanding so i think that there they they those approaches tend to be co-evolving in terms of what our conceptualization of a good leader looks like and what our conceptualization of a good parent looks like i think the mm. leadership side maybe needs to catch up a little bit i think there's still um you know some reticence to accept leadership that doesn't look like what we think leadership should look like if if that makes sense interesting no i think that absolutely so um if i'm a parent right so mm -hmm. when would i think that um, i should cons so from your book's vantage point if if mm -hmm. I, if i'm a parent when would i start thinking maybe hey i need to bring some of the practices home or, or vice versa like what what what's your take i think in general this is something people can think about you know from a broader concept before they even have children um the the early months of babies i think we're all just trying to stay afloat mm. right and mm. in that sense we're kind of like i kind of think of it as like what's my minimally viable product like what's <laughs> the bare minimum i can provide to each of these different parts of my life to survive um at work and for me it took a few years before i was really ready to think what's my maximum capability what 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 could i really bring what, what are my unique talents and how do i want to bring those out through my career as a parent um but you know different people may be ready to have those sorts of thoughts and conversations at different points in their life um but shifting the mindset from like how do i survive to how can i thrive i think is really important um mm. and you know this idea that we always have to be climbing the corporate ladder um at a certain pace 
or at a certain rate or making more and more money at a certain way, um, you know, that's up for question. Hmm. And we don't have to take that for granted that that's how we should be managing our careers. For parents, at some point, it might be time to just be happy where you are or to try a career path that, you know, you find more fulfilling, even if the prestige of that role might not be as high or maybe entrepreneurship because you want to be your own boss, right? Just challenging all these assumptions about what work needs to look like and what parenting needs to look like. Um, that's the work that we're asking people to do. But unfortunately, there's no prescription for mm. then what the right answer is. Like, you should take this many months of paid parental leave, or you should ask for a promotion after this many years. That's that's the work for the individual. We'll just guide you through the steps that it takes to lead you to that point. Interesting. And, and, and um, from your um, research point of view, like what... Do you have like a, a model parent uh, that you think, hey, this is this is sort of the the uh, basically David of parent. So this is exactly how this, oh. I would, we would envision this guy would have been yeah. or gal would have been. I think there, there's no one person that I feel like I can point to that person and say, um, you know, you this person has figured it out. Um, although I will say, you know, my co-author Stu and I. You know, I've been writing and thinking about these things since before I even had kids. Um, and he's been thinking about these things for 20 years, 30 years, since basically before I was born, practically. So, you know, we're we're good. We, we have this developed skills in doing this. But the best leader and the best parent is somebody who spends their time and energy in ways that match their values. So if you're a workaholic and you love work and you want to work all the time and you don't want to raise children, there's nobody who should be judging that and saying that's bad work-life balance because mm -hmm. that's you living a life aligned with your values, right? So it's really just the fit between your values and how you spend your time and energy that, that what is what we're looking for, what, what we consider to be top tier being a leader in all parts of life. Um, of course, we all have to do things that, you know, like you still have to mow the lawn and fold the laundry, even though that's not necessarily like a core value, but actually maybe you could hire somebody to mow the lawn, right? Mm. So everything's up for question. It's just this process of coming to what are my values and what does that tell me about how I should readjust where my attention goes? We'll be back after a short break. This part of the podcast is sponsored by Tao.ai, world's first AI-powered platform to build enterprise success network. Learn more at Tao.ai. Let's go back. Interesting. And and you, you, you talked to something interesting. So you were writing it before you even had kids. Mm -hmm. So occupational hazard, right? So yes. has any of this went into your life and do you see any, any impact? Oh, yeah. Education? I mean... It's, my kids have been on this. So we started writing the book three and a half years ago. That's half of my daughter's life. My, my younger, my younger child is eight. So, you know, they're, they're the guinea pigs for all of this, whether they know it or not. And I was working, I'm actually, in terms of, I don't work from home a lot because as I said, I'm not that productive. Um, but one time before vacation, 
I was like trying to send a chapter and finish it up and get it to Stu so he could review the draft while I was on vacation. And my daughter looked at me and she said, you're writing about working parents, so stop working and be a parent. <laughs> and I was like, yes, you're quite smart. And now I will write about this in the book. Um, but all of their, you know, all of the, the trials and errors and things, you know, that, that we do, they, they inform our own lives and vice versa. I had, my kids were not super thrilled with me leaving on the weekend mornings to go to the gym. They wanted me to be home Saturday and Sunday mornings. I wanted to wake up early and go work out. And I thought, I'm going to sit down with them. We're going to have this total leadership, parents who lead conversation, where we talk about my values and how it matters to me to be happy and healthy and fit and how that can help me be a better parent and do my job better and live my values. And they listened and they nodded and they're like, yeah, but we still don't want you to go. <laughs> I was like, ah, but I did what I was supposed to do. They were supposed to say, oh, oh, we get it now, mom. Go work out. We appreciate that. You should definitely do that. And they still didn't feel that way. And I said, but this is something that I think is the right thing to do. And I'm going to, I continue to do it, even though they didn't get on board. Um, but I got to practice the principles in the book and they don't always go exactly the way that we hope. But maybe five mm. years from now or 10 years from now, my child will think back and say, oh, I understand why she went to the gym on those mornings instead of saying home. Or now I really think it's important to take care of my health. Mm. So the, the lessons and the values and the transmission of those values are going to be valuable even if a particular experiment or a particular practice backfires or just fails to no, work. I think that's so um, I think kudos to you. So <laughs> I like, I have two, so I have an eight yes. year old and a, and, and a, and a three year old. So mm -hmm. eight year old, I think I'm pretty much like a, uh, I love this book for, for a reason. So I think yeah. it's, it, it fits into like, I fit into that idea of, Hey, I can practice it at home and bring it home. Yeah. So I can actually have a sort of a very stable life in both the directions. Right. Mm -hmm. And then once the second one hits, all the theory were going to go out of the window, which mm -hmm. really worked for the first one has no room for the second one. Mm -hmm. So it became sort of this constant catch up game that, Hey, totally. what works for who and what? And then it's just, it's a constant battle. Right. And it's, and it's a constant process of figuring out what works trying it and then adjusting right even if it works for a month it may stop working um but i think a misconception that parents have oftentimes especially when you've got little kids is that if i just find the right solution then i'll be set and so they're constantly looking as opposed to getting better with trying things and failing let's that's try it that's an interesting point Let's see if it works. Let's gather some data, right? Let's try having bedtime at eight o'clock or let's try having bedtime at seven o'clock. Um, and let's gather data and see, you know, you don't necessarily have to like rank your kids' moods every hour, but you could say, okay, how are they waking up? What time are they waking up? What's working, what's not? And again, it's just that skill of being able to say, here's an experiment I think might work based on our values and our shared needs does it and if it doesn't to be able to say okay good for me for trying that now i'm on to something else as opposed to 
I'm a bad person because I couldn't make that approach work. Right. Internalizing the, the failure. So is, is, is there any measure for success in this? Like, is there, is there any way to say, Hey, I'm doing it right. Or it's working so, or not working. So when parents, when we have the, our parents create experiments of their own, we ask them to develop metrics to say, how will you know if it's working or not? What will you mm. judge whether this is working? So you may, let's say you want to experiment with a different bedtime for your family. How would you know whether that's making things better at work for you, mm. right? Can you articulate why having a child going to bed at seven versus eight might actually help you get some work done in the evenings or get relaxation time so you can decompress or you get to bed earlier? And how does that translate to your work? So coming up with your own metrics and saying, how will I know if this is working or not? Give yourself a time to try it out. Maybe it's three weeks or six weeks. And then looking and saying, what, you know, what was the data that I collected about my own life? And do I have a sense that it's working? And there, I've done experiments where I quit after like two days. I was like, oh, it's quite clear that this experiment is not the right one. So go on to something else um, rather than getting stuck in. OK, now I'm the kind of person who meal preps every Sunday. And if I forget to meal prep, then I'm bad and I've screwed my family for the whole pardon my language, um, ruined everything for the whole week, as opposed to saying, OK, maybe this meal prep experiment wasn't the right one for me. Mm. What could I try? So um, it's that constant sort of process, but defining success for yourself and and that could look very different for for different people or different families you know people track how much they're sleeping how energetic they feel um, how many meltdowns their kids have had how many times they missed a work deadline anything that you can use to define success for yourself interesting and and in your research like have you ever figured out scenarios where a leader took something from their life playbook and, and in sort of the other way where sort of um, I end up becoming a better leader because of some of these practices. I mean, absolutely. We see, I have, there's one example um, that I really, it resonated with me and I kept going back to it um, throughout the book or throughout the book writing process when I was feeling like, are, are we doing something that makes a difference? I would remind myself of this one couple that we worked with and they had uh, a, a child who was very seriously ill and they were both executives in their company, pretty senior leaders. And um, the, the wife had kept it to herself. I mean, her colleagues kind of knew, but she really was like, I don't want this to take away from how people see me at work. I don't want people to think I'm less committed. Mm -hmm. I don't want my boss to put me on a, the mommy track at work. I don't want my employees to think that I'm not there for them. So she really separated it out. And through the process of working with her, she, one of her experiments was to do a fundraiser to gather, to support research for her child's illness. And it initially started with just friends and family and sort of totally separate from work. But as she w went through the process, she started talking to her co-workers, her boss, her subordinates about this thing that she was doing and how she was leading it. And it actually elevated 
their perceptions of her as a leader. It allowed mm -hmm. them to see her more authentically to understand what she cared about. And it, it actually made her, you know, her boss said to her, how can I support you going to the next level? What developmental opportunities do you need? And it actually opened doors um, for her being perceived as somebody, somebody who makes things happen in difficult circumstances, right? That she's not just a victim of her child's illness. Um, and, and because mm -hmm. she felt empowered as a leader in her personal life, she was more able to ask for the leadership roles that she wanted at work, right? She sort of claimed that identity and became more proactive and said, here's what I think we should be doing. Here's how I wanna lead. Here's the next steps that I see for my career. Um, and, and it helped her quite a bit. And people supported her more because they knew what she wanted and they knew what she cared about because she was willing to sort of bring her whole self to work. And her company ended up becoming a sponsor of this um, foundation um, charity that, that she was working on. So it was this really beautiful story um, that kind of exemplified exactly what you would hope for in a sort of circumstance where it started out looking really challenging and ended up being this really beautiful so, thing. Um, who is the, when you're writing this book, who is the ideal reader for the book? So it is a parent um, who has a career. And we want to be very inclusive in terms of what we mean by career. So even if you're stepped out of the workforce to be a stay-at-home parent for a period of time, or you might volunteer and see that as your career, that over this lifespan, you have a career. But we're not saying this is only for parents who are currently employed. Mm. You know, our reader and our publisher is Harvard Business Review Press. This is built out of the Wharton Business School. Our audience tends to lean more towards the professional an executive side. And they, in general, professionals and people with, um, you know, higher levels of income have more freedom to make choices about how they spend their time and energy. If you're working three or four jobs to make ends meet, I feel like this book would be really helpful still, mm. but taking the time out to really go through this process, like it's hard, right? reading a book and working and growing as your as a leader that's a privilege to have the time and the mental space and the financial freedom um to to take some time to think about yourself in that way and to have choices right choices are what this book is all about and and we realize that not everybody has that those choices and outside of this work that we do both Stu and i really want to think about policy changes, both in organizations, but also at the federal level. Like we've gone to Congress mm -hmm. to lobby for paid family leave. We wanna make choices available to people who don't have them and not mm -hmm. leave them out of this conversation just because they don't necessarily have the flexibility that an executive career might offer. Interesting, interesting. I think that's that's um, very well put and, and um, to our listeners and viewers, yeah. um, definitely want to uh, tell them that I think so. When when I, I became parent, my personal story sort of um, it was hard. It was hard like living these two lives together and sort of bringing them together, right? So now the moment I start sort of taking control over how I could help even my kids become better leader, how mm -hmm. I can sort of help them understand the nuances of 
caring, serving others and understanding that it really simplify my work life balance because now yeah. to me it's just one layer just yeah. doing goodness at at my my exactly. capacity where I where I can deliver and it just it just took away a lot of anxiety so i think mm-hmm. to, to to your kudos to you um and and st- and, and steward for for putting this thing through because lot of us wants to know like what it takes and i think it is it is definitely a a very enlightening thing to 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 see oh thank you so much that that really means a lot to me so now let let me spend few minutes on your your journey um yes. so we ask all of our guests to share um some of the qualities that has helped them become what they have become today what what are those qualities what would you attribute yourself which qualities you would attribute yourself to Oh, that's such a good question. Um, so I I think, you know, I care a lot about this stuff and I believe in research as a solution to help myself and to help other working parents. So it's both this passion for the topic, but I also am able to develop these this tool set that I can bring to help other people. So really a desire to help through research um but also a sense of wanting to have fun wanting mm-hmm. to learn wanting to grow right it's it's really sort of it's something that i think i bring to my career my family life right this is about having a good time caring nurturing and i'm feel so lucky that i get to do that in all whether it's meeting with a student or helping the university i work for or writing a book or speaking to you like all of this gets to be about fun connection um authenticity and and backed by data like it's the best interesting and um what are we ask all of our guests to share some of their favorite reads some of the books that that they like and and they want to share with our listeners and viewers what would that be if you can if you have some yeah so and i said this to you earlier in my non work time i like to read um totally mindless uh garbage if i'm thinking about it it's too high it's too highbrow for me i don't even know the names of the books that i'm reading usually um that's one thing that i do it's very escapist so i won't recommend those but one book that was really important to me in thinking about this topic was the book unfinished business by ann marie slaughter so what what that book does is it provides the counterpart to the type of work that this book offers which is really focused on the individual and what can i do and i think it's really important to look at a work at a book like unfinished business which focuses on those structural barriers whether they're in organizations at the federal level whether they're sort of our societal understandings of gender or roles or internationally so it it they balance each other cuz we don't want to just feel like anytime you have work life problems or challenges it's cuz you're doing badly right we don't want to ignore all those structural things so i like that book as a complement to any of the self helpy type books um that i write or that other people write so um <clears throat> last but not the least so yes. if you want something that our listeners and viewers could take away from this conversation uh what would that be what would be your closing remarks besides reading this book. Yeah, read the book, of course. Yeah. Um I think that investing the time to think to introspect about your values and communicate them, it seems like who has time for that? 
and why should we, if we're too busy, but that really taking the time to have those conversations up front is well invested. It's worth it in the long run because you will figure out how to spend your precious time and attention and energy in the ways that matter most. So, you know, be willing to take that leap of faith of investing some time into growing as a leader in all parts of your life, even if it seems like a waste of time because you're too busy to stop and do anything other than put out the immediate fires. Like, just ask people, like, just try it stop i promise you it will be worth it thank you so much with that um we come to the close and um thank you Elisa, for uh, being uh, generous with your time and and helping oh, us understand so the value of parenting and leadership i think uh, as i said to our listeners and viewers very few times we have guests who actually sparked some of the interesting creative ideas that we should be thinking about and i think i do i do appreciate you writing this because it has um, some part of it has actually worked for me, so I would definitely oh, stand behind what what you are what you are pushing. That it's actually could help someone. So thank you so much for the book. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I thought I was sick of home, but actually I was homesick. Never really knew that I would have to grow up so quick. I'm so uncomfortable, don't know anybody here. Just a couple dudes that I met once, that's it. Then I go into the booth feeling nervous. Got butterflies in my stomach like I'm so worthless. Is the mic on? I don't know how to work this. Inside I'm breaking down, I hope I'm not up on a certain